Welcome in. Fantasy Focus Football is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways you can save. It is Tuesday, April 18th, and this is, as we mentioned, Fantasy Focus. I am Field. To my left is Mike Clay. To my right is Daniel Dopp. What's happening, gentlemen? You start, Mike. Uh, not too much. Actually, a lot. It's April, right? Yeah. The April, I mean, the draft is coming You're up. You're already this is... a, a, a hypocrisy. Not too much. Actually, kind of a lot's going on. But, but that is, in Mike's defense, there are certain things that have been said. Like, we need to retire these answers because, like, when someone asks me how I'm doing, 99.9%, I'm, I'm doing great. How are you? That's what you're supposed to say, right? So you're supposed to, right? You're not supposed but to like engage in what's and, going on. You're not supposed yeah. to be oh, serious with how you're really doing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's, like, crossing you, you know, crossing you in the hallway. They're going to lunch or something, and they say, how you doing? You're supposed to say, Okay, if you're like actually, actually and yeah. have this long conversation, then well, you're kind of messing I was walking the dog up. this morning. It started exactly. raining out of nowhere, and I got back home when I was whoa, drenched. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's just pack that all away. Save it yeah. for another conversation. Actually, That's meeting, what I um, want to yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there we go. All right, so we got a lot to get to today. So anyway, um, uh, so I was at home this morning, yeah. and uh, <laughs> we're working talk. on writing capsules <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, are you in a hurry or something? Uh, you're like, no, you're trying I to just, get somewhere? No, 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 no. We just, you know, we, we, we need to get to your piece that you wrote earlier this oh, yeah. offseason. That's what I was doing. Because that's what we're going to do today on the show is after a couple of pieces of news, we're going to dive into Mike's piece. The topic was what he learned from doing his projections. I'll say this a million times, and I will never feel bad about repeating it. The work that Mike does mm. on our projections at ESPN is absolutely incredible. It is the engine behind our fantasy rankings, and there is nothing more popular for content than rankings for fantasy football. So, Mike, huge shout-out to you always. We're going to dive into that in just a bit, but right before the show. Just before the show began, Adam Schefter tweeted some news that Allen Robinson has been traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers, Daniel. And my first mm. question is, what position will he be playing? Because he's not particularly <laughs> effective at wide receiver anymore. Whoa. That's a really great question. Right before the show started, I said, are teams still interested in Allen Robinson? Because mm. it seems like it's been a while since we've seen any kind of fantasy relevance from this guy. We obviously mm. talked about him going to L.A., to play with his first real quarterback ever, right, in Matthew Stafford. And how did that work out for Allen Robinson? Uh, ask Tyler Fulgham. I don't know. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, the Tyler, wow. the Tyler <laughs> shots just never cease to exist no, here. I love it. But now I look at it, and it's like, okay, I feel like we're, we're multiple years removed from Allen Robinson being a fantasy asset that we could trust, albeit with a quarterback that didn't even like, register at that time. Yeah. What's it going to mean, Mike, for Allen Robinson playing with Kenny Pickett and the rest of this Steelers offense? Well, I mean, he's 30 years old now, and to your point, it's been a couple of years since he's been a good fantasy wide receiver. So, I look, I, I was already nervous about him last season, even in that Rams offense, and he just, the targets weren't there, right? He was busy near the goal line, that was it. And that might be, might be his role in Pittsburgh, right? I mean, you're going to have Deontay Johnson. He's going to soak up a ton of targets. Ideally, George Pickens, their second-round pick last season, who did not really emerge in the second half, even after the Chase Claypool trade. Uh, they obviously want him to make a late, uh, leap forward. You have Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris. So there's not really room for you know Robinson to jump back into the top 20 or maybe even 30 conversation in fantasy. He's not going to be on my radar in, in most formats. Well, I'll do that. I'll, I'll take that even one step further, Mike, because there are a couple of portions of this conversation. We've kind of already all acknowledged that like Allen Robinson is no longer the player that mm-hmm. when he signed with the Chicago Bears mm-hmm. a handful of years ago in free agency, you're thinking to yourself, this guy's a game changer, right? Yeah. Over the past couple of seasons, he has not been a game changer. And that contract signed by the Rams last year was one of the worst in the NFL like moments after it was signed. Shout out to Allen Robinson. Shout out to his, to his agent. agent. Yeah. <laughs> but for, as far as the Rams are concerned, a team that had a very tight rope they were walking, that's one of those deals that they regret with every fiber of their being. 
I think we're comfortably at the point, though, where we can acknowledge that, like, the days of Allen Robinson being either a wide receiver one for his own team or a game changer for his own team are probably long behind him. I'm not even sure there's, like, a a medium-level ceiling for Allen Robinson in Pittsburgh because prior to this trade, we have to have our top 60 wide receiver rankings in right after the draft. So there'll be a couple of rookies that project into that top 60. I didn't have room for Allen Robinson in my top 60 in Los Angeles with a better quarterback of Matthew Stafford than Kenny Pickett and a lot less competition for targets. Yeah. It's Cooper <laughs> Cup, it's Tyler Higby, and that's it in L.A. Mm-hmm. right now. Mike just rattled off the wide receivers, plus tight end Pat Firemuth, plus Najee Harris, who has been heavily involved in the passing game, at least certainly was as a rookie. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, yeah, this must be like this is like an accessory piece for the Steelers, much more so than it is a major acquisition. You're right. And their third receiver before this uh this trade was Calvin Austin, who didn't play last season. Mm-hmm. He was injured, right? He was a day three, day three pick. Was he a, I think he was a fourth round pick last year. So uh they obviously had depth concerns there. They're bringing in a veteran like Robinson, maybe to help with the development of a player like Pickens, but ideally Robinson will be a part time player on the field and an occasional three wide sets, not a guy that's going to be a fantasy and factor. a reality of fantasy football is that sometimes we rely on the, the economics to lead us into what the role might be. And so when he goes to Los Angeles and they pay him $15.5 million per year, you're like, okay, this guy's going to play a ton and see a lot of targets. He did play a ton. That was mm-hmm. for sure in Los Angeles. He just, just did not scoop up that many targets or touchdowns. We, as of this moment that we're having this conversation, don't know exactly how much Pittsburgh's going to be on the hook for. My guess is this could be like a couple million bucks, which if you're paying $2 million to a wide receiver, there is absolutely no harm whatsoever in him being a role player who, you know, he might have 35 catches this year and it would still be a justifiable acquisition for the Steelers if they pay a seventh round pick and $2 million bucks in cash to acquire Allen Robinson. So uh, a bigger name than I think fantasy impact right now. Again, mm-hmm. I did not have Robinson inside my top 60. He will not move closer to my top 60 by getting <laughs> traded to the Steelers. By the way, the Rams have Cooper Cup and then Ben Skoranek and Tutu Atwell. Uh, Yikes. They're not done at wide receiver. Actually, they might need to just trade down with all of their draft picks just to (laughs) collect enough picks to fill out a roster this season. They are in very rough shape on both sides of the football. It is very much a rebuild for the Rams. Aside, of course, I mean, you still have Stafford Cup. I mean, that's it. That's They're going to have to run things through those two. Of course, Aaron Donald on defense, that's about it. So, Rebuild is in effect, and uh, we'll see how wide receiver shapes out behind Cooper Cup. You know, the nice thing is is it doesn't make a difference who else is on that team because it feels like Matthew Stafford can still throw it to Cooper Cup 17 times, even though every team knows that it's going to happen. It still works every single time. So I have Cooper Cup number two in my wide receiver (laughs) rankings for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is what you just described. And just to put a little bit of more perspective on what Mike just talked about in terms of the depth for the Rams right now, you are allowed to have 90 players under contract during the offseason. There are teams, I believe the Broncos are currently at the top with 79 players under Mm -hmm. contract, which means they'll have room for their draft picks and then maybe a couple undrafted free Mm -hmm. agents. They could certainly waive players currently on the roster. Do most teams not carry 90 into the draft because they're just knowing they're going to have to cut people? I would say right now the average is probably like 65 or so. Okay, And some teams are cutting players right now. A few guys just to clear some room. Yeah, the Seahawks waived five guys yesterday as an example. But let's say the average is somewhere around 65. The Rams are at 44 by far. It's not even close. In the NFL, again, we'll get into the weeds here for a second. But in the NFL, 53 players count against the salary cap. During the offseason, the NFL makes an exception. It's the top 
51 cap it. It's a bit of a buffer for teams to have more flexibility. For the so most teams, if you have 65 players, the bottom 14 don't count against the cap. For the Rams, they don't have a top 51. They have a top 44. <laughs> like it is. I know this is like super nerdy, but it is r- absurd how few players they have on their roster on April 18th. If you are out there listening to this podcast right now and you can run like under a six second 40 <laughs> or you're over 225 pounds, find a way to get outside the Rams facility and just start catching passes because you might have a chance to get signed by the Rams. Yeah. And by the way, it's not like they have a lot of good players and they just don't have a lot of depth. It is, you know, I do them Munich grades, kind of keep track of where I feel teams are throughout the offseason. This is the worst defense on paper I've ever seen since I've been in this industry. And it wow. includes Aaron Donald, which is saying something. So they have a lot of work to do. It's going to be interesting to see how they put this together for week one. That is patently absurd that a defense with Aaron Donald could yeah. not could be the worst you've ever seen. You, and it, people are going to be like, there's no way. Look at the Look roster, at the roster right you know, That's a fun it game. Is. If you're listening Oof. out there right now, do us a favor, yeah. all right? <laughs> Take away Aaron Donald. Name five Rams Name projected starters. Okay. Oh, oh, all right, on the whole roster. Okay. On the, on the, whole on the roster. defense side okay. of the ball. Oh, five, on defense? Yeah, five Rams projected starters. I don't know starters. if people can name Sebastian, one. Sebastian. Can you name one? Joseph Day. Sebastian he passed for, the, Joseph for Day. the Chargers now. Dang it. Good player, though. There's only two on the roster who Jaylen played more Ramsey than half left. the snaps last year. Yeah, Aaron Donald's one, and the and other Ernest is Jones? Ernest, Ernest yeah, Jones. Yeah, yeah, Ernest Jones, yeah. It is, but I'm telling you, this is like, it is alarming how this roster has taken shape in the post-Super Bowl win, and 20 years from now, all we'll care about is that Super Bowl win, mm-hmm. right? But it yeah. is a reminder of like the slippery slope when teams mm-hmm. go all in. This is simultaneously best and worst case scenario. One year of success for what could end up being like multiple years of pain because the Rams have been, they had the worst record ever in the season following a Super Bowl, and it might get worse. It might get worse this season, which is hard to believe for a team that has Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, and is coached by Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. So they don't have the number one pick in this year's draft because they don't have a pick at all in the first or second round. Uh, maybe in the second round, but not in the first round. Uh, but the they may they may be in play for the number one pick next year. Uh, we'll, <laughs> see. we'll see. Twenty twenty four. Caleb Williams might have to, might not have to move too far from <laughs> USC to LA. But let's focus in on the current draft because we're nine days away from the NFL draft, and you know I don't I don't, I don't know exactly what to do from this uh, with this from a fantasy perspective. But as as things have progressed in the pre draft process with you know, pro days and, and pre-draft visits and private workouts and all that. One thing has become clearer and clearer is that Bryce Young is going to be the likely number one overall pick in the draft, Daniel. And so I'll just ask you this. This is a fantasy football show. Yep. I say Bryce Young to the Carolina Panthers. You say from a fantasy perspective, what? Good luck. And <laughs> I hope that they to acquire the more. To, to, no, to Bryce Young. And I hope they acquire more pieces to be able to put in that offense because the cupboard is pretty bare for whatever quarterback comes into that offense. The guys that he's throwing to, Terrace Marshall, I mean, I, I'm not even sure. When I, look at, when I look at this offense, right, I understand that they added Miles Sanders at the running back position. They're going to try to focus on that. But there's not a ton of guys to come in. This is a tough team for a rookie quarterback to come in, not someone that I think is going to have a ton of fantasy relevance here in week one, maybe a, a deeper dynasty pick. But, boy, Mike, I, I don't look at this and say, this kid's going to come in and all of a sudden light Carolina on fire. I just don't think there's enough, like I said, in the cupboard for mm-hmm. him right now to be able to do that. They need more pieces. Yeah, a lot of veterans and their top two receivers have had injury issues, right, at G.J. Chark and Adam Thielen. You know, uh, Thielen's 33. Chark's missed a ton of action over the last few years. So, um, Mahid and Hurst, a tight end, that's going to be their core of skill guys. So, it's it's obviously serviceable. That's veterans not a great to score. some extent. But yeah. um, we don't, uh, you know, Field, you mentioned fantasy. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, our expectations for rookie quarterbacks are low anyway, right? So, 
we're not going to draft him right away. I mean, super flex drafts will be an early first round pick and, and rookie drafts and normal rookie drafts will be around two pick, whatever it may be. You're developing and you're, you're holding him and hoping for a year to break out. But he's again, that offense is not one we're going to be looking at this year Mm-mm. under new coach Frank Reich and saying, here we go. You know, offensive the, juggernaut. It's just not going to happen. It's interesting. The only rookie quarterbacks that we will be interested in would be those that can run. But yep. oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, the quarterbacks that are most prodigious as runners are the furthest behind in their throwing development, mm-hmm. right? And again, that's not to apply a one-size-fits-all tag on them, but just generally speaking, that's how it goes. In the case of the top four prospects this year, there is one who's a tremendous runner in Anthony Richardson, mm-hmm. but we don't know if he's even going to start this year. We don't know where he's going to be playing, but there are some who believe he would be best suited for a redshirt year. So uh, I'm not sure any of the four quarterbacks have a real clear path to be an obvious top 20 candidate this year amongst quarterbacks. Did I hear Dan Orlovsky talk about how any team that took Anthony Richardson should be starting him halfway through the season on NFL Live earlier this week? Maybe it was last week, Field. I don't know if you remember that at all. But I, I, there is so much. I think you look back at, at Malik Willis last year and everyone was intrigued. Everyone as in like fans were just intrigued by what he could potentially be. He was so great from the ground perspective, I guess. You know, you could say that there was a lot that he brought to the table, mm-hmm. but that just was never going to materialize as a fantasy asset because he just wasn't going to get the opportunity to play quarterback, it doesn't feel like. Yeah, so he got a brief opportunity, and, and it, didn't it did go well. not He was go benched well. in time for the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm usually just going to avoid uh, rookie quarterbacks. The, you know, the first year, year two is when you buy in, right? Yep. Trevor Lawrence was a terrific example of that last season. So I'm excited for these guys in 2024 this year. Not not too concerned. I'm with you as well. So let's dive into Mike's piece. It's what he learned from doing projections. And Mike, before we get to uh, what you learned, I did want to make one note because I mentioned that rankings will be coming out mm-hmm. right after the draft. And you and I are having some conversations about players that we saw differently before the show. And one thing that I think is really important to note is that your projections do not align perfectly with your rankings. Mm-hmm. There are players who are projected higher than where they ranked there are players that are ranked higher than where they are projected i know that's a mouthful but the point is that just because uh, mike has them ordered a certain way one through 60 in the projections that's not going to be exactly how they look in the rankings and that can be for a number of factors that you can dive into on a case-by-case basis but i wanted to mention that just in case you ever hear a disconnect between how mike's talking about his ranks versus what you see in the projections if you're in the draft tool early Mm -hmm. or you're just sort of searching around on espn.com just a quick note the main reason for that is generally going to be missed games right so for example kyler murray you'll see 32nd or something in the projections he he's projected to miss seven games right coming off that acl so I'm going to have them ranked like 17th. That's generally going to be the reason for that. Otherwise, they're going to be pretty aligned. There's some upside and floor mixed in there that's going to move the knee a little bit. But in a nutshell, those are the primary reasons. Yeah, and by the way, when you said he is projected to miss seven games, that's your projection. There hasn't been any you know, official c- concrete, yeah. hey, Kyler is going to return no sooner than week eight this upcoming year. But let's begin with some of the things that you learned, Mike, at the running back spot. And mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey, one of the most valuable players in fantasy for the past several years. But how valuable is he? Yeah, well, I mean, he's been top five in fantasy points per game each of the last five seasons. So when he's on the field, we know he's terrific. And, uh, you know, basically what I wrote in this piece was I'm not convinced I want to take him with the first overall pick. So top five, sure. But does he have that elite ceiling we've seen in years past? Maybe not. And here's the reason. Can I guess? 49er, yes. Two words. Elijah Mitchell. That is correct. Mm. And, you know, we've talked about this on the pod a little bit before, and uh, the team likes Elijah Mitchell, right? Yeah. They feel like they found a gem. And when he has been active, he has been a big factor in this offense. And that includes after the McCaffrey trade last season. Now, 
Look, McCaffrey was terrific once acquired, but check this out. I'm going to look at the splits here. Six games with Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, and then seven games without uh, Elijah Mitchell on the field. I'm going to exclude McCaffrey's debut with the team because he was playing a limited role. So the difference in snaps, 82% versus 63%. 17.7 carries versus 11.2 carries with Mitchell. And 6.4 targets versus 5.2 targets. The fantasy point total difference is 27.1 without Mitchell. But when he was playing, it was 16.7. That is a huge difference. You put those two numbers together, all the games together, it looks like a an elite fantasy season. But what happens if Mitchell plays 15 games this season? They split carries. Mitchell is the guy that's in there at the goal line. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country. There's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You took McCaffrey early in the first round. You're going to be pulling your hair out watching Mitchell just soak up 150, 170 carries and eight touchdowns in this offense. So uh, some mild concerns. It's enough for me to knock him down a couple spots and maybe go with someone else with that first overall pick. I have Justin Jefferson at number one. Still a good player, but again, we're talking about that key spot, that number one spot. Do you take McCaffrey? I'm leaning away for that reason. That's why I have, and I, I do have a top tier of running backs. It's two-man tier. It's Christian McCaffrey Agreed. and Austin Eckler, but it's a pretty clear. Like mm-hmm. when I'm, it's it's hard to articulate this in words, but just like for visual purposes, when I have my document of rankings, I use like gradations. So like the boldest players or the top of the tier is like in like double bold. And then it gets like slightly less bold. And then like by the end of the tier, it's like thin text. Uh, but Helvetica. like Kirsten McCaffrey. <laughs> it's yeah, invisible. Like, yeah, you know, Austin Eckler is like bold, bold, right? It's like big fat letters as the yeah. top of the running back tier. Christian McCaffrey is still bold, He's right? But it's fans. like a yep. fairly different uh, shade width of bold yeah. than Austin Eckler, if that makes any sense whatsoever. But I agree with you, Mike. It's hard to make the case for uh, Christian McCaffrey ahead of Austin Eckler, assuming mm-hmm. that both stay healthy and assuming that Elijah Mitchell plays the role that we have grown accustomed to him playing. Next one's really interesting, Mike. And uh, there's been a lot of buzz this offseason about Tony Pollard, of course, because Ezekiel Elliott is no longer there. But does he belong in that very top tier of running backs? Yeah, so I'm actually high on Pollard. I'm going to talk about some concerns, perhaps with his ceiling in the passing game here, but uh, I do have him right now RB8. Now, Ronald Jones is number two at running back for that team right now, and they're probably not denying him at that position, so we'll see who that player is. But for now, assuming he's the lead back without substantial uh, competition, I think he'll be a an RB1. He's been extremely efficient since he's entered the league, top three at running back in pretty much all of the key categories. The note I made in this article, though, is that if you look at Mike McCarthy's past 11 offenses, they've all been below average in running back target share. They averaged a 15% share. That's well below the 20% share across the NFL. Last year, Pollard was 16th in targets, 
with 54. I have him at 51 for this season. So maybe that's enough to not get him to launch kind of into that elite category, like a top five season. But do I think he can be a top 10 or 12 running back? Absolutely. Thoughts, Daniel? I feel like in looking at what is going to open up here, right? Obviously, Ezekiel Elliott leaves, and there's a lot to be able to figure out with Tony Pollard as the lead back of this offense. I just don't know what they're going to do with him full-time like we've talked about. Stefania obviously has had a lot that she said along the way. I love Tony Pollard. I love what I saw out of him last year. My question is, what are they going to add, like we're talking about, behind him to be able to help keep him on the field? Who's going to be that secondary piece? Because right now, if, if I'm just thinking about Tony Pollard getting 20 touches a game, 20 carries, I'm thrilled with it. I'm all in on that. But is that what we think Dallas is going to do? Or are they going to go out and find a way to make sure that Sure, he's going to be our lead back, but he's maybe going to be closer to 15 to 17 touches rather than the 20 to 25 that a real lead back would be. In terms of the short list of things that I'm most eager to see in the draft that have fantasy ties, what the Cowboys do at running back is very much at the top of the list or near the top of the list because I've done a bunch of the mock draft special shows with uh, Mel and Todd yep. and Mort has been our insider in a couple of them, and he's made reference to the Cowboys' desire to add someone to complement Tony Pollard is in the inference almost being like Tony Pollard is not going to be this 325 touch total total touch player for the Cowboys in 2023 even if the depth chart currently suggests that is possible could they be in the mix for Bijan Robinson this is not a great running back draft class but as we have learned a million times over you can always find capable running backs in rounds two through seven it does not have to be oh, round yeah. one so oh, yeah. He is a player that I have, like, preparing to adjust my rank yep. after the draft weekend. He's currently at RB9 for me, like, right around Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon. I think he is probably, I think Tony Pollard's a better player than Joe Mixon now. I do. I think he is a more, mm-hmm. I think he's a more explosive, certainly a better pass catcher, even though Mixon isn't a depth pass catcher. Tony Pollard was a wide receiver in college. I just think the volume you can count on for Joe Mixon as of right now, when you look at their running back depth chart, kind of gives them a bit of an edge or at least a little bit of a tiebreaker over Tony Pollard, even if I think Pollard has a much higher ceiling if things break right sure. for him. By the way, I'm glad you guys just talk there for you know a little radio magic talking for a couple minutes because as you were talking, I'm, I shifted in my chair. Yeah, you're I got okay. a horrible Charlie horse. Oh, yeah. no. I, I'm I sitting couldn't here tell. screaming <laughs> on the inside, <laughs> screaming. And I had to adjust myself there, but I'm coming back now. I'm all right. Okay, all right. I, I don't know. Be... Oh, that was crazy. I'm getting old, people. Not that my daughter is, like, fully capable oh, of my... speaking yet, but every oh, once in a while, like, she'll just start to make faces, and you're oh. not exactly sure what she's trying to articulate. <laughs> that was me right there. Sometimes it's like, I just I just went to the bathroom. Can you please change me? Right. Uh, it wasn't that. Sometimes but... it's 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 a little bit, it's it's not that. Sometimes it's just her making faces because she's a silly one-year-old. But uh, I was a little bit older. nervous for you yeah. uh, for a second there, Mike. Oh, my God. Um, all right, I'm all right now. We referenced Kyler Murray a bit earlier on, the Again, your projections have him missing seven games this yep. year. But part of the secret sauce for Kyler for many years or for his entire career because he had Cliff Kingsbury there was that that team got up, mm-hmm. got set, and snapped the football. Do you expect that to be the case again this year? I don't think so. And you're exactly right. That's something we've noticed over the last few years. Extremely uh, fast-paced offense for sure. And obviously with Kingsbury gone, we expe- uh, expect that to change up now. To what extent is the question, but what I looked at is Kevin Stefanski's offense. Why? Because Drew Petzig, the new uh, offensive coordinator and play caller, worked for Stefanski for quite a while. Um, And you look at the last few years of Stefanski's offense, whether it was the tail end there with Minnesota or now in Cleveland, very slow, 
very run heavy. They barely changed at all when Deshaun Watson took over last year as well, which was something that raised an eyebrow for me and something I'm thinking about as I evaluate the Browns. Uh, but, you know, just the fact that, you know, that's that's notable to an extent. It's, an, you know, he's in charge now, so he might not follow that that script per se. But the fact that we're talking about the most pass heavy or the, the most fast paced offense in the league over the past few years compared to what could be average, you know, that's going to take away plays and, and snaps and opportunities and targets, carries all those things. So it's something uh, it's a little thing, right? But it's one of those things that gets factored into projections and could be a difference of 50 snaps over a full season. That's all fantasy mm. points taken away. F- can I ask you, Field? I Please want to know. Whatever. There's a lot when I look at this offense, right? Obviously, Kyler are going to miss a handful of games. We're not sure how many yet. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, no longer there. That front office and what is going on with their leadership. There's been a lot of turmoil for the Arizona Cardinals this offseason, just <laughs> off the field. When you look at what this offense is going to do without Kyler for at least four, five, six games, how do you even look at the rest of these wide receivers? And, and we've talked about DeAndre Hopkins maybe on the move, right? DeAndre Hopkins had 10 or more targets in seven of his nine games as a Cardinal last year. He was unbelievable for Kyler Murray. Yeah. If he's not in Arizona... I don't know what this offense is going to look out look like with Kyler Murray missing a handful of games and then the rest of these guys. It depends, and, right? I was going to say, and by the way, I'll just add this on to what Daniel said. Zach Ertz might miss half the season, too. He's yeah, coming off an ACL, ACL well. which is almost yeah. like forgotten because yes. so much went yeah. wrong for the Cardinals down the stretch last year. That kind of slid under the radar as far as ACL tears go. But it depends for one important reason. Who's the quarterback in place of Kyler Murray? Right. If it's Colt McCoy, I actually think I feel fine about DeAndre Hopkins if he is still in Arizona. I have him as like wide receiver 16, and I would feel just fine about that. As a matter of fact, you can recall last year when Kyler, this was before he got hurt, I think, or maybe did Kyler got hurt briefly, like not an ACL mm-hmm. tear. Right. He a got couple hurt weeks, briefly, yeah, yeah, prior to that earlier in the season, and Shefty on our podcast talked about how there were some people in the building mm-hmm. in Arizona, and there's been a ton of change, obviously, who felt like the offense ran pretty darn well with Colt McCoy under center. But, Daniel, how about the idea that, like, if you're the Cardinals and you're as bad as I think we think they are going to be this year, mm-hmm. beyond that, you have plenty of motivation to get Kyler Murray back to 100% and not worry about rushing him back in 2023. Are we even sure Kyler plays next year? No. ACL tear. That was like November. That was like December, right? Mm -hmm. Because it was a Monday Mm -hmm. night football game late in the season, right? Crazier things have happened than a guy not playing all or most of the season. And if they're one and seven by the time he's ready to go, what's the point in bringing him back? So he's an interesting one. Um, What are the chances that with the the Cardinals Cardinal again and after taking a quarterback three years ago, mm -hmm. then they took Kyler and now they're thinking, what? Yeah, I I mean, they're in a spot. Financially, they can't do it. Okay, like when they were when they did the last time around. Yes, it was wild to go Josh Josh Rosen Rosen 10 and then Kyler one. But with, at least with Josh Rosen, you were able to. We ended up trading them, as a matter of fact, mm. to the Dolphins. Remember that one draft day trade four years ago? Um, but at least at that point, it was just a different financial consideration. You are so dug in financial with Kyler right now that it would just be malpractice unless you had a Kyler trade lined up for a bunch of draft capital to use that third overall pick. Probably not the on year where you're going to have a lot of draft capital in trading for Kyler coming off of an Yeah, ACL. it would be tough to do yeah. exactly what you just referenced. Yep. So I think, Daniel, when all of this settles, like Kyler is still the long-term quarterback option going into 2024. I just don't know how much a play in 2023, but there are so many questions about this Cardinals roster. Yep. So many 
Like, it's crazy to think that right now, like, the guys that you feel most certain about are, like, DeAndre Hopkins, who might get traded, and James Conner, who's an aging running back mm-hmm. at a position where it's become a young man's game. Like, that tells you everything you need to know about just how much of a mess it is right now yeah, so in that, Arizona. Yeah, so that division's looking great. Do we just pick yeah. apart the Rams, the Cardinals? I mean, Seahawks looking pretty. Yeah. 49ers yeah, looking are. pretty right now. Uh, let's move forward to Green Bay, Mike, because at the end of last year, there was no player that was more fun to roster amongst the wide receivers added on the waiver wire than Christian Watson. But he kept scoring touchdowns, and you tell us all the time, like, be careful chasing those touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But was there anything about his performance last year that gave you confidence it could be repeatable? Uh, you know what? 23% target share. I would say that if he matches that this season, even without Aaron Rodgers, he should be in good shape for a top 30, maybe even a top 20 season. Now it's about six and a half targets per game. Um, but look, after week 10, 35 touches, 584 yards, eight touchdowns. He was 10th in fantasy <laughs> points. His efficiency was outstanding. He was in the 85th percentile or better in yards per catch, yards per target, average depth of target, receiving yards after the catch and yards per route run. So they fed him the ball. Once he once they put him on there and said, here, you're going to play 80%, 90% of the snaps, they fed it to him, and it worked out well. I mean, there's a reason. they What, they trade four picks, I think it was? Three or four picks to move up to draft him early in the second round last season. They needed a featured number one target, and it looked pretty good. So I'm buying in on Watson right now. They're not done yet. They yeah. could be in the Hopkins market. They could uh, make another trade. They could that, draft yeah. someone, whatever yeah. it may be. Uh, Romeo Dobbs right now is their number two receiver. Hold on, so. but stop there. Okay. Challenge again, trivia challenge. Uh-oh. Name a third Packers wide receiver. This is like the Rams defensive player <laughs> thing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, and technically right now still Randall Cobb. <laughs> I know, I know, right? That, that's that's where we're at right now with this with this Packers roster. I think it's Samurai Torre, right? The sixth oh, round or seventh okay. round. Yeah, that's the next man up, and then what would it be? Would it be like? I don't I'm even know. Be like, who, I'm not talking about like who's there. I'm talking about like who would you have the fourth most confidence in? Ah, uh, man, Ooh, man. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I have a good one. Can we bring back Jeff Janis right now? Yeah. Yes, please. Saginaw Valley back. State. Yeah, right? um, baby. Um, no, it's it's it's. I mean. Juwan Winfrey, maybe? I think I think so. That might be it. That's my guess. I mean, that, I have no idea. But that, that shapes up nicely for Christian Watson, Daniel, because targets are king in fantasy football for wide receivers. He should see plenty of them. He should. I guess I just really have one question, Mike. Can Jordan you left. text me your dealer's number at the end? Because whatever you were smoking, man, I want some of it. What? Wide what? receiver 20 for Christian Watson? Are you serious? What? The business bias. Uh, Wide receiver t- 20. He was 10th last year when right. he was a full-time so player. Let's what look are we at talking this. about here? Okay. He scored 99.2 fantasy points in four games. 99.2 uh-huh. in four games. In those games, he had four catches, four catches, four catches, and three catches. Okay? 
The rest of the season, the other 10 games, he only had 64.9 fantasy points. Okay, but he was not playing early in the season. Everything. That doesn't count. And towards towards the end of the year, outside of those four games, you want to take the games after that, it's substantially less. He only had two other games the rest of the year outside of those four where he even hit double digits. One of them was against the Detroit Lions secondary, so that really doesn't count, okay? Because <laughs> they were awful last year, and we all know that. Yeah. But you're telling me we're going from Aaron Rodgers and what is this pass-heavy offense towards Christian Watson. Not pass-heavy offense, but like he's getting his target share, which I did not see in the same way. And now we're going to go to Jordan Love. And the yes. idea that because they're behind so much, they're going to have to throw to Christian Watson? Well, they Watson? have to throw to someone. You can't even name a third receiver on the team. So he should see 9, Wide 10, 11 receiver targets. 20. Wide yeah. receiver 20 after scoring all of his touchdowns in four games in the middle of the season feels a lot more like Gabe Davis to me than Amon Ross St. Brown. But, uh, yeah, but he, they have Stephon Diggs in that offense too. I mean, that's a little different situation. I, and there's a little projection in here, right? I'm totally. expecting more of a, a target share and more reliance on Watson. And you look at the... Like you're you're looking at that team and you're Matt Lafleur and you're thinking, how do we design this offense? Right, you're going to run it through Aaron Jones yep. and AJ Dillon out of the backfield and Christian Watson. That's li- like I actually pulled up the depth chart. Juan Winfrey's not even there. It's Bo Melton and Jeff Cotton. You know them Melton, guys, Rutgers legend, former former Seahawk, right, yeah. seventh round pick, I think. So um, I mean, they're going to feature him right now. Now again, that could change on draft weekend. We'll see. But for yeah. now, I'd be in on Watson. I'd, I'd be excited say, yeah, for him. Like my, so I have Watson seven slots lower than Mike. Which we were we were having a conversation again before the show about how like I don't think that twenty versus twenty seven is as dramatic as it may sound. Like it's not like Christian Watson. Like I think you have him ahead of Terry McLaurin. I have him behind Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. Like. It's not like it's a bunch of bums that are in between Watson and where I have him ranked versus where Mike has him ranked. It's all really good players. I'd say my reservations, and reservations not exactly the right word because I still have him as a strong candidate to be a starter in a lot of leagues, would be that it's not the volume because the – it's in part the volume. It's how is he utilized because I don't know if you have his, his ADOT off, offhand right now, but it I'm guessing – very high. Yeah, very high last year, and if he's getting a lot of targets – down the field, like that's a good thing, but What's the efficiency is going to be low. He didn't, but I would lot. rather see him. Like I would like to see his a dot decrease by like thirty percent this yeah, year, but his targets to increase by like thirty percent this year. I don't think he had even a ten target game. Nope. Last year, so if you have eight to ten targets per game for Christian Watson, now sign me Love. up right? with Jordan Love under center. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Like we we were just about like Colt, you know, Colt McCoy operated that offense like. You know, even if Jordan Love is like somewhere around the 20th best passing quarterback, you can lead a wide receiver to fantasy success. I just want the opportunities to be a bit more efficient than where they were last year. That's the concern that I would have to the extent that a player can present concerns as wide receiver. Yeah, the efficient was great. I know what you mean, though. You want more high percentage touches, but they also, I mean, we're talking, I'm talking about a 23% target share, six and a half targets per game. Plus, he carried the football, yeah, too. I mean, yeah. they were de- designing plays and featuring him last year, and that was after he missed. A huge chunk of the well, first half of the season. Totally. I mean, this is year yeah. two. There was Alan Lazar, Randall Call School. Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of reasons for excitement there. I'd buy in on a breakout for him. No, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about uh, about Christian Watson. There are just a few players that, again, they're like Chris Godwin was one of the names that we debated before the show. And I just said, Mike, you know, we, we, we like for me, the reason why I would have Godwin higher than Christian Watson is that if you had to tell me that one of those guys is going to catch a hundred passes next year. My guess is it's Chris, it's Chris Godwin, right? Like, he's a much better bet to catch 100 passes. But if you had to tell me one of those guys has 15 touchdowns next mm-hmm. year, the much better bet is Christian Watson because he's an athletic freak who could score an 80-yard touchdown every game if things went right. Yeah, and speaking of which, uh, what Watson had, Watson 
tripled Godwin's touchdowns last year. I think yeah. <laughs> he had almost, he had like nine and uh, right. Godwin had three yeah. last what season if, with Tom Brady in that yeah. high volume yeah. offense. Anyway, um, I, I hear you. No, what I, if I we you. did that thing where we took out the one game where he had an unbelievable three touchdown game and you look at how many points he scored. I just, everything you're talking about Christian Watson is like, it, it's saying that because of what happened last year, yeah. different offense, Still, mm-hmm. never had 10-plus targets. Different quarterback. Different quarterback. This is shaping up nicely for some good preseason debate between yeah, the two. and this again. is year two leap. I'm not saying because he had an off-the-charts touchdown rate. Like, you would expect some of that efficiency, especially in touchdowns, to come back to earth. It's year two, right? You expect a leap in year two. By it's, the way. But I like, I mean, when a guy plays that well for half the season, then goes into year two, I think there's reason for excitement. When there's no no competition You know for, for a fact they're taking a wide receiver at 15, right? I thought they were of taking a the tight end. After, after because the, they're going to trade Aaron Rodgers yes. and then take a wide receiver in the first round, finally. Um, last one here, Mike. And I almost feel like we need like a yes. viewer warning right now. I mean, I love this Don't one. get mad I love at this us. One. Don't get mad at us. These are just facts here that we're going to discuss. Uh, I know Kyle Pitts was the biggest disappointment amongst mm-hmm. tight ends last year, maybe in all of fantasy, Mike, across every position. Mm-hmm. But are you buying the idea that 2023 could be the re-breakout year? I mean, he had 1,000-plus yards as a, as a rookie. It was pretty darn good. Post-hype dis, post-hype uh, breakout. Take the discount if you can. I'm in. Look, the only reason he may not break out yet is obviously the, the run-heavy scheme we saw last season. I don't think it'll be quite that dramatic as it was last season. They do still have some quarterback concerns, and he's still only 17 years old. I don't think people realize that, right? <laughs> no, he's not. He, but he's... Uh, what is he? He's 22. 22. He'll be 22 yeah. to open the season. That was a really good 22 yeah, was good. Was good. years old. Uh, and, and look, we forget this because of what happened last year, but he was over 1,000 yards and was a number six scoring fantasy tight end as a rookie mm-hmm. when he was just 20 years old. So last year was rough, but the observation I made in this article was that, yes, he missed seven games. Yes, he only had two top 12 fantasy weeks, but he had a 27% target share. When they threw the ball, they featured him. Only Mark Andrews had a higher target share last season than Kyle Pitts. He was... Uh, very, very busy last year. Also, Arthur Smith, uh, you look at all four seasons, he's been a play caller. They've all had a target share of at least 25%. They did add John o. Smith. I've seen some chatter like, eh, maybe, you know, John o. Smith takes away some of that volume. I don't think so. Not worried about that. He didn't work out in a good situation in New England. He'll have a role, but there's still plenty of room here for Kyle Pitts to uh, to bounce back. By the way, number one at tight end and average depth of target both seasons. Yeah. This guy has a, still has a massive ceiling. I'm, I'm in if I can get him at a discount. So things are shaping up nicely for Kyle Pitts. The wide receiver room still very much a work in progress. Mm-hmm. I would be a bit more nervous if they take Bijan Robinson eighth overall, which I could totally see, by the way, because mm-hmm. Arthur Smith had Derrick Henry in Tennessee for those years, mm-hmm. and it would be the closest thing to Derrick Henry and in, they just, in Atlanta. But ugh. here's a little exercise here. Top five tight ends in my rankings, and you can debate if these are the same five in your top five, um, Travis Kelsey, TK, mm-hmm. Mark Andrews, mm-hmm. TJ Hawkinson, mm-hmm. Darren Waller, yep. George Kittle. Those are the five, right? Mm-hmm. Name a tight end beyond that. Just name anyone that you like for fantasy this year. And let's talk about like their mitigating factors compared to Kyle Pitts's mitigating mm-hmm. factors. Mm-hmm. I'd say you can make the case. I know I, I do have, uh, I have Goddard ahead of him. Yep. Um, and then I have Pitts and then I have Fryermuth. So, um, you can put them in any order you want. I think the other two guys are probably a little safer, higher floor. Pitt's a little more volatile, but the ceiling with Pitt's... Look, if, if we came out, you know, we're sitting here next January, and we yep. say Kyle Pitts was tight end two, you know, he just, or tight end one. Like, he just... It all came together. No, I'm not going that far with Travis Kelsey still playing. Well, but, yeah. you know, you know, no, I hear you. But nonetheless, so but he has just, that... Just you took him out. in the top five. Yeah. It only took him in the top five to be that, to but, be in a featured target, not to be a blocker. He's a featured pass catcher. So, just to play that he has that ceiling. Mike. 
Pat Farmuth now has three wide receivers, legitimately, right? Right. Like Pickens, Deontay, and, Deontay and, and George yep. Pickens as mm-hmm. well. Not a massive touchdown maker and not going to have nearly the yak or really mm-hmm. even the like average yards per catch mm-hmm. as Kyle Pitts mm-hmm. probably has. I'm just, I'm just, you can make the counterpoint to other tight ends just as fervently as you can for Kyle Pitts and you're going to be getting him at a discounted price compared to last year. Dallas Goddard is an example, Not a right? touchdown like, score, misses a lot of games. Yeah, yeah. missed time. They have two alpha wide receivers. Mm-hmm. They could run mm-hmm. the crap out of it. They had 32 rushing touchdowns last year. By the way, they could just slightly regress as an offense, and like total scoring could be down a bit in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I know it's easy to poke holes in Kyle Pitts based off things that haven't happened the past couple of years. I'm just telling you, at tight end, there are very few guys that have anything close to a clean resume. Mm-hmm. And I think that while not necessarily a top four or five guy, Dalton Schultz was a guy that a lot of people would target last year because of where he was at. Now moving to the Texans, who knows? What he's going to be like. Mike, do you know where you have Schultz ranked I have right now? 13, I, I believe. 12. I think I'm a 13. Bit I think I'm yeah. on 11 maybe. But, but that's still quite a bit still. lower than you had Schultz last year. Last year was a top yeah. six, seven, mm-hmm. eight tight end. And it was tremendous for the, for, whenever him and Dak played together, he was great. But in games without Dak, he was not nearly as effective. And another team that we'll see what happens to the draft because the Texans have Dude, some concerns right now. Those rumors the offensive Texans skill. Too. Yeah, well, I think that they are not taking a quarterback number two overall. Famous last words that pretty much guarantees it. Uh, It's a great article, Mike. So it's available right now on ESPN.com. And again, Mike's projections are the lifeblood of basically everything we do at ESPN for our fantasy content. So be sure that you check that out. In the meantime, he's Mike Clanifel on Twitter. He's Daniel Dopp on Twitter. There's no underscore, is there? No, no underscore. You just keep it it simple. Right to the point. That's right. Uh, We'll talk to you guys again on Thursday. Stefania is back. We're going to talk about some lessons that maybe we learned and how they might impact our draft strategies for the upcoming season. If you need a stick of tide, Field is your guy. If you're in Bristol or in Farmington, you should find another ride. Candidly, he hates Mike Clay. He's on TV every day. A spicy tomato who's got the stats and tweets that'll make you laugh. He's our favorite host and everybody knows his name.